This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! It's Rudge. It's Monday, and we are back for another week of... Oh, whatever this slop is that we're serving up. <laughs> whatever kind of reality we are grappling with. This is WGFOP, The Bald. Sting is named Bald and Funky by GFOP Marcus Ricci. And yes, this is WGFOP, the bald, bald and proud, the place where we take your questions, which we thought at the outset would be about football, but the world is changing. We change with it. Let's be honest. We'll take your questions about anything. Call us now, 646 450 Give us a bell. We've got a ton to get through as we are living in remarkable days. Remarkable days. Let's dive in. Question one. Hi, this is Chris from San Rafael, California, supporter of Schalke, Liverpool and Brighton. And, you know, the uh, killing of George Floyd has made me think of my favorite poem, which is by Langston Hughes. What happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun? Or fester like a sore and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat? Or crust and sugar over like a syrupy sweet? Maybe it just sags like a heavy load. Or does it explode? There's a lot of peaceful explosions all over the world. And I just hope something good comes of it. Courage. Bye. Langston Hughes. What an American great. What a poet. Proper, proper Everton. I have no doubt. And I say that with the greatest, greatest respect. Probably Schalke too, Chris. Thank you for bringing the poem to the pod. Here it is, in its full beauty. What happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun? Or fester like a sore and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat? Or crust and sugar over like a syrupy sweet? Maybe it just sags like a heavy load. Or does it explode? Oh, the question Langston asks. It's one we are, we're all living at the moment. And I have to say, after this weekend, which was long, so long, but also incredibly inspiring, filled with scenes of united protests, which have predominated across the nation, catalyzing a feeling really that I've not experienced at all in 2020. And that is the feeling of hope, an emotion symbolised by that creative act of transforming the new barrier that surrounds the White House, a national scar, changing it into a crowd-sourced memorial wall dedicated to black men and women who've been victims of police violence. Like you, I watched that clip of the wall covered 
in beautiful creations. It's in my Twitter feed if you want to see it. And I watched it over and over and over again with, with astonishment. It's really proof of that life truth. Out of darkness cometh light. I mean, even Tan Nahisi Coates, who taped an interview with Vox this weekend that I loved. Even he's admitted, quote, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I see hope. I see progress right now. His words. And I have to say, I am immensely grateful that the world of football has reinforced this sense of optimism all weekend long. One powerful demonstration after another across Europe, filtering their way into the continent's top flight football games. German Bundesliga taking the lead in remarkable fashion before games kicked off. Get this. Every player on the team took a knee together in the centre circle. Not just players match officials and when the cameras cut to the sidelines coaches too taking a knee unified for a single moment in protest together it was a remarkable sight it really was so wonderful European clubs showing the empathy that they feel with our social change movement that's taking over our nation a, a movement that transcends borders and transcend sports. All hailed by a Munich. German powerhouse. League leaders. They warmed up in shirts that proclaimed Reds against racism. And then took the field with their players sporting Black Lives Matter armbands. While the club issued a statement that quote the death of George Floyd and the images from the USA have shocked us all. These are remarkable words. Remarkable times. This is Germany. And it wasn't just Bayern. Borussia Dortmund followed suit across the border in the Austrian league. Wisconsin-born Red Bull Salzburg manager Jesse March, what a human being, wore a Black Lives Matter armband on the sideline as he watched his team win 6-0. I love that bloke, a man of passion. Let's have a burst of Jesse Marsh halftime team talk, which, just a warning, does include some fruity language. Yeah, it's just neat time fucking Freundschaftsspiel. Yeah, it's just a fucking Champions League spiel. We must in Cooper League off the blocks and get fucking stuck in with Druk, these action, manchmal mit Van Dyke. Yeah, come Jungs. But so feel respect for the Gegner. So feel respect for the Gegner. Yeah, they have to feel us guys. They have to know we're fucking here to compete. Not just that we're stylistically going to try to play the same way, but we came to fucking play, right? That is what's most important. We're going to talk a little bit about tactics, but we got to step on that field. And when we say self-vertrauen, that means f will also. Will. Will for einander und jetzt ist es ich gegen ihn oder euch oder egal. It's us against them. That's the voice. <laughs> I needed that. That is the voice. Of Jesse Marsh. Half-time, Champions League against Liverpool. What a great American. Similar acts of protest occurred in leagues major and minor. I loved seeing the Danish Women's League, the elite division. Stem two, kneeling in the centre circle. Before the game, a swelling of political awareness. Perhaps it's a reflection that it can be easier to recognise racism outside of your own nation's borders. Rather than that, which ferments within. But it is magnificent. As Raheem Sterling so poignantly reflected on British television, the only disease right now is the racism 
we are fighting. Watching it all, my dominant thought was this. If the Bundesliga can create a stream of powerful images, a torrent, images of protest that are then seen around the world, just wait until the Premier League returns. And then, the NBA. Night after night after night of the NBA. That creativity of those players, their feelings, their emotions, their leadership, their protests. And then, of course, my lord, the NFL coming back close on its heels. Stick to sports is dead. It is. It is. Brace yourself for political, cultural moments which can change the tectonic plates underlying our nation. It's going to be sonic booms heard all around the world. Next question, please, Jonah. Hey, this is Andy from Huntsville, Alabama, Everton fan, Atlanta United fan. My question is for Raj about hair. Looking at my beloved Everton, they may be hovering in mid-table mediocrity on the pitch, but I would maintain that their hair game is better than all other clubs. Between Luca Digne, Theo Walcott, Alex Iwobi, Mason Holgate, Moise Akeen, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, and of course, the best hair of them all, Andre Gomez, I would suggest there is no club with collectively better hair. I want to know what club do you think could challenge Everton in this and who you think would win the Ballon d'Or of hair in the Premiership. Courage. Hello, Andy. Hello, Alabama. Your question about Premier League haircuts is like a, it's like a blast back to the past where Premier League haircuts, tattoos, sellies, they all felt so important. It's going to take it's going to take some time to get back to that for reals and not just because, well, pandemic lockdown has played havoc with the natural order of player haircut hierarchy. Even Jack Grealish looks like he's been to Hamageddon. 97% of footballers right now, they all look like bloody Tom Davis or a wet dog. Wet dog, obviously redundant when talking about Tom Davis. To be honest, I'm just thrilled to have been able to spend some time this weekend watching footage of the teams back in their stadiums, playing 11 on 11 interest squad scrimmages. How great was it to see Manchester United back at Old Trafford, charging all over the field? Yes, it was empty, as was Stamford Bridge, but it was still joyous to watch the Chelsea players take to the field again for an interest squad scrimmage there in which Christian Pulisic tantalisingly, tantalisingly, we're seen to be wearing Willian's number 10. Or should I say soon to be leaving Willian's number 10. Oh, he's the new Eden Hazard. Or maybe he's the new Yossi Benayoun. If you want me to be honest, I'll answer your question. Arsenal, to me, have a legacy grip on the hair battle. It's like a new trophy. Bellerin, single-handedly to be candid, even shaved off hair Bellerin. So stylish. Gwen Doozy, David Louise, good for something. Love his hair. Reese Nelson. Though I've got to say, Sheffield United, a team so anti-hair, so anti-hair product, they almost steal it this season for their norm-core approach to what is really important in football. Next question. Hi, this is Carly from Cresswell, Oregon. Uh, I'm a Liverpool supporter, and I have a question for Raj. Um, I recently saw an article where people submitted ideas for songs that would be good candidates for a movie adaptation. 
And when I saw that one of the songs on the list was Tracy Chapman's Fast Car, it made me wonder, Raj, who would you cast in the movie adaptation of Fast Car? Thanks, and have a great week. Carly, what a question. One, I think I was going to say believe it or not, but I know you believe it, that I've thought long and hard about often. Believe me, one of the many, many things I adore about Tracy Chapman is her storytelling. It is cinematic. A song's... At their best, the screenplays in song form. Don't believe me? I defy you to listen to For My Lover and not believe that there's an epic movie trapped into those three minutes and nine seconds. Not so fast, though. Not so bloody fast. Because one of the things I've learned about Tracy Chapman is that I am a strict Tracy Chapman constructionist. I am. I don't care who knows it. And whenever anyone covers Fast Car, be it Khalid or Justin Bieber or some country artist or whatever, Passenger, first of all, I get it sent to me via Twitter about a thousand times. And then probably around the thousandth time, because I'm so exhausted of this routine at this point, I give the cover version a listen. And most often I'm like, why? Why? Why would you attempt to cover this song? Why would you attempt to cover perfection? And that, to me, is Tracy's true brilliance. Fast Car seems so simple. And it's only when you hear someone else sing it that you realise how unbelievably bloody complex it is. As that flickering cymbal gives away to the hypnotic guitar riff, Tracy's storytelling and tone so patient, so wise and empathetic, And by the time the drum kicks in to lift the chorus, she sounds like she's smouldering with introspection and truth, almost burning up in the process. A tone of quiver, containing both vulnerability and strength. No one comes close to capturing it. Not even close. And how could they? (laughs) It's like trying to recreate Michelangelo's David. A masterpiece. What can you improve by copying it? And I feel that way about Fast Car the movie in America. Fast Car. No matter who you get to direct it. Scorsese, Spike Lee, Ava DuVernay, Greta Gerwig. It has to be inferior to the song. And even if the eventual film was in IMAX, I'd rather listen to that original track for two hours, 20 minutes straight than anything else. Sting me up, Jonah. Work in front worry at the back. It's the ball. WGFOP. And that sting is It's the Ball by Rob Whittig. Give us a call 646-450-9472. Pick up the phone. Talk to us. Pour your heart out. Ask us a question. We live for your questions right now. I'm only half kidding. That is from Rob Wittig, the only Burnley fan in Duluth, Minnesota. Hello, Duluth, Minnesota. We've got time for one last question. Raj and Devo, it's Mark from Houston, Texas here, uh, and I support the West Ham Go Irons. In the last year, have lost a grandfather, uh, and then about eight weeks ago gained a son right as we were going into quarantine. So, The line conveyor belt of life that you once used has definitely struck me on more than one occasion here throughout this time. My question is, as we continue to 
persist in lockdown and, and everybody stays inside and we all dream of days of traveling and eating in person with one another again, what one thing about this whole time are you most looking forward to when you return back to the world? I'm not saying necessarily the first thing you would do, but the one thing that you're really looking forward to going back out and seeing and doing again. Anyways, thanks for your time. I wish all the best to everybody out there and everybody working on the front lines. And uh, size of the day, I believe is what they say. So thanks. Bye. Oh, Mark from Houston, Texas. Your city oh, is in our thoughts today, as are you, because you are living all the emotions. Oh, you really are experiencing the conveyor belt of life full on by the sound of things. I revere you. Can't imagine what you're feeling. First of all, congratulations on the birth of your son. What a time to be alive, to make memories, to treasure that life. And I should also say I am so sorry for your loss. My wife lost her grandmother on Friday. Celia Dollop, a couple of weeks shy of her 101st birthday. What a life. I will be honest, it was a complicated life, but she was a human being who found happiness finally, arguably for the first time, well into her 90s. Proof that it's never too late to make changes and find a joy. It's tough to lose someone now, Mark. It really is. It really is. Unable to bury them properly, to mourn them properly. I do feel your pain. Indeed, Many of us in the Men in Blazers world are feeling an immense sense of loss this weekend after the unexpected and shocking death of Jason Kennedy, a larger-than-life OG GFOP who passed away in Chicago after suffering a heart attack last weekend. Still can't believe this. Jason was just 50 years of age. We will... Talk about him, no doubt, with Dave out tomorrow on the pod. So I'm going to save my words for then. But what a bloke he was. So beloved by so many of you listening in the GFOP community. Really a unique human being, a life force. He was an enormous, enormous Liverpool fan. And his whole being was built on passion, on curiosity, on loyalty. I wrote about this on our Instagram when I found out that he passed, that the first time I met Jason was at our debut Men in Blazers live show, the Bob Lee Golden Blazer, for those of you who remember that. It was a tiny affair, really was, at Joe's Pub in New York City. 98 seats, I think. Men in Blazers was still in its relative infancy, and we went on sale, and just my heart was in my mouth. Would anyone come to this bloody thing? And we sold out in like 15 minutes, fist pump Rog. And we did the show. <laughs> and at the post-show drinks Jason just bounded up to me like a manic labadoodle in his vintage Liverpool jersey and that ever-present red and white candy-striped Indiana University blazer that he always wore and he told me that he'd travelled from Chicago to attend to to come to our crap I mean it was mind-blowing to us in that moment that someone would fly in for our suboptimal fet. And it made us realise for the first time that, oh my God, people are really listening. They're really emotionally connecting to our bollocks. And from that point on, 
it was rare that we did a show <laughs> that Jason didn't fly in for and sat front row. I mean, wherever, whenever, a Men in Blazers show meant to love and be loved and to drink copious buds with Jason Kennedy. And being up there on the stage, and David will attest to this, Kennedy often felt like a one-man laugh trap. So to answer your question, Mark, what would I like to do first when I emerge? It's less a thing and more an approach to life because back in March, I was meant to have dinner with Jason at his alma mater, Indiana, in Bloomington. I was going for a visit with my oldest son, Samson, and COVID made that impossible. Cancelled the flight, cancelled the trip, and it pains me that we will never be in that place together that meant so much to him. I last saw him three weeks ago when Jason came to raise a point on one of our Men in Blazers Happy Hour Zoom calls. And he talked about how excited he was with every ounce of his being to watch Liverpool Football Club finally win the title. And when it happens, which it most probably will against Everton, a fact which would have delighted Jason to the core of his being. I have no doubt he'll be looking down from somewhere, raising a pint in my direction as his favourite song, Making Plans for Nigel by XTC, plays loudly in the background and he'll be loving every moment. So what I hope to do when we get through all of this for the first time, it's not an actual thing it's an approach to life and that is to take nothing for granted and to make memories well I can we should be careful of each other we should be kind while there is still time we will be back tomorrow until then we send our love to Jason Kennedy and his family and his friends with all of our love